Welcome to Beer and a Movie, the podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. My name is Joe Hilliard. I'm here every week along with my buddy, Dave Gurney. You should probably reintroduce Emily because I know you've seen her more often than I, I do see her because we're in a book club together and and we actually read I mean, I read most of the books. Emily comes pretty regularly, and she is a huge reader anyway. But, Emily, thank you for being here again. Well, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. You jumped on this one. Yes. I said, hey, do you want to review Priscilla? And you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Totally, Absolutely. Totally. Well, let's get some beer in our glasses. David, you brought this one back from Maine. I did. Uh, actually, I think about a year ago, I brought it back from Maine. It wasn't even my most recent trip. But, you know, these beers can last a little while. Mm-hmm. This is from a return contributor to the show oxbow brewing it's our second time there i'm surprised only two that's yeah that's, we, i mean no it, i think you're right but I, we it, did it in 180 okay uh, the momoko oh yeah alongside uh, summer of soul nice so they're based in newcastle maine uh which is kind of out there they do have another tasting room and uh and and i think they age some stuff in barrels there in portland so if anybody's ever visiting the area you can get it right in portland too but They tend to do farmhouse ales. They're very much in league with Jester King. In fact, Mm -hmm. I think when my good friend Amber was still at Jester King, Amber who's now with Garden Path Fermentation, she early on told me, hey, you got to check out what this brewery Oxbow is doing up in Maine. It's very much along the same lines as what we're doing here at Jester King. And she put me on to something good. This is their plum synth. This is a blended dark farmhouse ale with plums. I don't think I've ever had a beer that featured plums. It's not leaping to mind that I have. So I'm curious to see how much the plums come through. Now, again, this has been aged for a little while. So I guess we need to keep that in mind. But the label itself does say... Enjoy within five years. Oh, we're good to go. Yeah, yeah. And they and they note on it as well that the production time is 24 months because they do, you know, age this in barrels for, for a nice for period a of time. Yeah. I can't so wait I'm going to get that. some in my glass. If you go back to episodes 211 through 214, you'll remember, David, that was a month where we took a month off from drinking on the show. That's right. And uh, Emily, you elected not to do alcohol today. You brought something of your own. Yes, it's my favorite athletic brewing company. I just have never had anything that I dislike from them. They do non-alcoholic beers very well. Yeah, and I concur. We at least did one of theirs. uh, 213. Yeah. Was it the Hazy IPA or what what were they calling that? I brought Golden Ale, but I think... You brought the Golden... But I think you guys did have the Hazy IPA. Yeah, we had the... It's called Free Wave. There we go. That was episode 214. Alongside Don't Worry, Darling. Yeah. This is the darkest non-alcoholic I've ever seen in my life. It's very dark. It's described as a copper, so that kind of makes sense. Yeah. That was an interesting journey, those episodes. Yeah. Because we went from macro to micro and everything in between over the course of four weeks to see what was on the market in the non-alcoholic. Right. So many different breweries these days are making something in the non-alcoholic realm or Absolutely. going into the hop water. Hop water, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Like, you, the breweries are fun places to go, see live music, play games, mm-hmm. get together with the friends, you know, like bringing in Brunch, some, all kinds of great some stuff. drinks yeah. that uh, are softer is, is not a bad idea. In fact, I brought some hop waters with me. Maybe Emily will want to sample one of those nice. thing, that yeah. I brought back from Austin recent trip. And I got those just because I wanted to have a few before we went to the show, but not actually inebriate myself. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can just have the experience of yeah. drinking and not actually get any drunk. Anyway. Well, you and I, Dave and I have talked about how I like to attend things by myself. Okay. I'll go to a movie by myself. Okay. I'll go to a concert by myself. I just went and saw Ben Folds all by myself. In Houston. I would have gone to you with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I'd known, I would have told you. No, but I went all by myself and I was staying at a hotel that was like five blocks away. And this was also part of our book yeah. club conversation about like women walking by themselves. Yeah. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to have non-alcoholics. And that's the end of that story. Right, you know, yeah. like there's keep no way. Wits. Yeah, exactly. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Well, well, you know who didn't keep their wits at all times was Elvis. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Great segue, Joe. That was horrible. Hard right turn into Priscilla, <laughs> who I was immediately excited about because Sofia Coppola. Well, Sofia Coppola got it. This for me is a chance at redemption. Go ahead. Because y- listeners may remember back on episode, Joe will insert number here. <laughs> 117? Exactly. We did On the Rocks, her m- prior 
feature film that came out through that was through apple right 2020 yeah yeah so this was pan high pandemic time yeah not the ideal circumstances but it was a real disappointing film for me from a filmmaker who i really love and have seen so many things that i've liked some that have maybe aged not as well as i would like but at the same time some that have really made we did virgin suicides as well and we all were that was what we paired with that yeah. yeah so here's a filmmaker i love taking on a new story Absolutely. I'm there. I'm excited to see it. Now, I know some of the draw for you, Emily, even went beyond Sofia Coppola Redemption. Oh, absolutely. Well, I am a <laughs> Sofia Coppola huge fan. How did you feel about On the Rocks? You weren't on that episode. No, I wasn't. No. If you ever need me for a Sofia Coppola, I'm here. <laughs> we to we may need girl. to do some more. Yeah. <laughs> Three years between. This yeah, one I mean, and the last, yeah. So, so I'll see you in another couple of years. <laughs> no, um, I loved Elvis and Me. If you do the math, that's part of the story of why I love Elvis and me is that one summer, well, every summer I would visit with my dad and my stepmother and she happened to have a paperback. So this is clearly a year or two after it actually mm-hmm. came out. I think I might've been 10, 11, 12 and sitting around for the summer reading almost everything. Almost Priscilla's I, age. Almost Priscilla's. <laughs> well, that I think was part of the yeah, draw for me, yeah. but I read it all the way through. Yeah. No one stopped me. I don't think anyone saw me, but I think my second full time through a week later, because I was so obsessed with the wow. whole story, she saw me reading it. She said, what are you doing? And I said, <laughs> I'm reading. And she said, that's not appropriate. Yeah. And she took it away. Oh, and, but wow. I had already finished it once, so I didn't throw too much of a fit. But every, how old were you at the time? 10, 11, 12. I mean, you, we would have to do the math on the publication date. Yeah. So, Well, when Priscilla was 14, <laughs> she was uh, living with her family in Germany, where her father was stationed in the as a Air Force, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't need to think about anything. I just ask Emily because she's <laughs> right She knows every detail. She meets 24-year-old Elvis Presley, who I, I rewatched Elvis, by the way, after Priscilla talks about him going to, to war. Uh, not to war, but to station but Germany. If I remember correctly, handled in a fairly quick montage, right? Yes. They don't really. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, although in that movie, uh, the colonel is narrating. Yes. He goes... Uh, we sit. I'm not going to do the accent. We sent him to <laughs> I Germany. Want you to. <laughs> well, what is that accent? I know that's we why sent I sent him to Germany. <laughs> a little Transylvanian, a little yeah, Italian. Exactly. That's it. Like Southern, yeah. uh, Eastern European. <laughs> the, the Elvis presents that Elvis was in hot water because he had gone onto a military base to do a redemption show, cutting out the lewd right. hip activity, right. and then decided in that moment to go full bore. They were going to send him to jail, you know, I mean, mm. on lewd and uh, mm. inciting a riot's charges, whatever it was. And uh, so they sent him off to Germany. And then it does have the thunderbolt moment of him seeing. You know, Colonel Parker says, uh, we sent him there to become a good American boy, but we didn't know he'd fall in love. And then there's a, <laughs> yes, you did pretty well. That was good. <laughs> I just, I had to quit thinking about it. I had to get it in my head. <laughs> I didn't know anything about this. Priscilla Presley is hilarious in Naked Gun. You know what I mean? Of course. Her, yeah. Her, her daughter married Nicolas Cage. I mean, I, and Elvis is Elvis. Well, but she, her daughter also married Michael Jackson. That's right. That's so. true. She was the queen of pop for a moment from the daughter of the princess, rock and roll. the princess of rock and the queen King of, of uh, the pop. Yeah, yeah, the daughter yeah. of rock potentially. Anyway, so these family trees. So, so I don't know how much synopsis we need here. It shows the story of their relationship, including one might suggest grooming and uh, the uh, idea of isolation and you know Elvis having a second life while he's all over the world doing all the things he's doing, including making movies and having relationships with other ladies uh, that Priscilla knows about. And then they have their daughter, and then, you know, the story goes from there. And uh, it's Sofia Coppola tackling this material. And I think that what is so interesting about Sofia Coppola, in particular, doing this, is that, I mean, we know as a society, we know everything there is to know about Elvis, with very few exceptions. I mean, even if you're not, I have to also put out there, I'm not an Elvis fan. I'm not a... Well, I was going to ask you, what, it, what was the draw... 
just this story was so compelling or did you have because I was surrounded by Elvis growing up Elvis was still a big deal like my mm. parents still listened to Elvis they still yeah. cared about Elvis in fact they had tickets to one of his last concerts wow. that they had to get kicked, that's you know. interesting so, oh wow so they were Elvis people no and, we were not Elvis yeah. people we were John Denver and Hall and Oates people that's, cool. that well, was I, and my know. dad was Hall and Oates as well and my <laughs> folks weren't pop culture people and I didn't have an older yeah. brother who yeah. would have been old enough to introduce me to that yeah so, so no, it's I, interesting I think I especially even for people our age there's a cut up like there's still some gen x i think that has a pretty heavy dose of elvis in their background because of parents and or maybe mm-hmm. they're just on the older sure. end of, of gen x but then there are definitely folks who are almost oblivious to elvis and yeah. certainly once you go to millennials mm-hmm. almost nobody well my really... I, my dad is british so right. i think when the british invasion happened uh-huh. they, they were living in the u.s at that point yeah. so i think when the british invasion happened they were all more predisposed to the beatles mm-hmm. and then well, so, so was pop culture at that moment yeah, <laughs> led true. To the but i mean like this ultimately. mid-60s event of like elvis and priscilla oh, right. being together that that had no in that, no, that no, didn't no. draw their we didn't interest. have like elvis plates on the walls or anything right. i so never really, really listened to anything for you the story it was just of the this book. young girl. David ate off woman. of Elvis plates. Like oh. That was their dining. <laughs> we didn't quite go that far. We didn't quite go that far. Velvet paintings and all that. <laughs> no, it truly was the book. It was the, the draw was the story of this young girl falling in love with a celebrity. Right. And you, you knew know. enough to know that he was at least a huge celebrity in his Absolutely, time. Absolutely, yeah. You realize, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It, I think also just things that you read when you are in that stage of like, 10 to 15 mm-hmm. are extremely formative. Oh, yeah. of course. I yeah. think that that is when you start remembering the books that you read. And for some reason, this book imprinted on me. Well, that's so. interesting because one of the title cards at the beginning is that the script is based on this book. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. uh, and Priscilla is an executive producer. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And as much as publicly we've heard Lisa Marie right before her death had sort of uh, petitioned Coppola to pull back on what she was revealing or pull back on what she was going to be, uh, you know, displaying in the film, just based on an early draft of the script. You know, it's, it's interesting. Like her mom, is, this is her project really in some ways. Yeah. Um, and, and it's her story. So that the stakes, as I hear them, Emily are quite high for you going into this. Cause this is an adaptation of a beloved, uh, nonfiction book. Well, and also when the TV movie came out a few years later, I was recorded it on this? Betamax. Yes. Oh, okay. So, like, actually, oh, interesting. I yeah. didn't realize that the, I knew there was a, a miniseries, and mm-hmm. but I had not watched it, and mm-hmm. I didn't realize it was primarily based on this ticket. It was oh, indeed. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Spill the beans here, Emily. I mean, I, I'll Shut say yeah. what I think, but I but I really feel I like I, I want to hear. Well, maybe we should talk about it before Emily does because she's the one who okay, has please. the most vested. All Go right. For it. I, I, I took a note. Use of camera. <laughs> yeah, they used a camera in making this they film. They used a camera they in this thing. <laughs> Good job, and Joe. And they use it very well. <laughs> okay, yeah. You know, and that's partly due to the DP, of course, but the shot composition in this is complicated. Oh, it's, yeah, it no. is beautiful. It Th- is. This is one of those films that you're going to pause still frames of sure. when you have it on your digital, you know, and you're going to enjoy them just as sure. shots that are well composed. You know, thinking back to right. Virgin Suicide, the mise-en-scene in that film is so hazy and mysterious. Yeah. Just Marie like, Antoinette has mm-hmm. some That's what I was going to say. Here we get into some superior set design, yeah. clearly, uh, that most people remember that film if nothing else is just the beautiful set design the set design in this film is remarkable have you been did, to graceland did they shoot in graceland i don't know if they I did don't think they, sure I, didn't, I didn't look it up looks like it, it because oh, i yeah, have they, been to graceland once and it looks like all the areas well, you're not allowed to through, go into i was flipping through your book before mm-hmm. we got started and there's a lot of photographs in there including uh priscilla having a photograph of her in front of that corvair Mm-hmm. That is presented in the film right. as her getting a brand new red Corvair sports car. It is the exact. There seems to be so much attention to detail that isn't just interesting from a historical point of view, but visually stunning. Those little go karts that they had on property. Yeah. That one yeah. shot that is a long pull away from a ever expanding staff as Elvis yeah. leaves for it's just I've described this movie in one word to many people and beautiful is the word that I've used mm. yeah beautiful and melancholy and sad like so yes visually beautiful and and I think the period stuff the production design work in a film like this is always a big part of what makes or breaks a film like this for me I hate to say it I'm like that I just makes sense but 
you see get the, it right the, if you're gonna the do cars, it. Oh, the paint colors, yeah. and like you say, the recreations of Graceland and the grounds and Memphis in general, like and, the hotels the, of the era, the German base, like all of it just looks so convincing. I mm-hmm. mean, it felt like it was lived in space and looked so beautiful that. Even before I got into the story, like I remember in the first few minutes of the film as I'm just seeing some images, I'm just, I'm thinking like, this film doesn't even have to tell me a story and I'm just loving how it looks so much that I just want to hang out here for a couple hours and see these kind of images, these hairdos, these, you know, everything like that. So I think it nails it from a visual level and she does what she does with the soundtrack Oh, yeah. Bringing in the anachronistic spectrum, mm-hmm. which is, you know. It, Before we move on yeah, though, yeah, from yeah. camera and, yeah. and the picture, did you notice her use of montage for time advancement? Yeah. When they're in bed and get the food, the tray of food set at the yeah. base of the bed and then the putting the, the empty tray day, down. Right, I yeah, think, though, day. that like the way I didn't, I mean, I didn't see that so much as montage where, of course, the photography scene of course in bed was all Mm -hmm. montage work but i kind of saw that more as a place marker of the first time that they had sex yeah because that was yeah you know he he had made her a promise that's right all of this that he was not well was it a promise well it was whatever it was was a it was a not yet and it was yeah not the right time yeah i mean we're a spoiler podcast she begun they begin dating when she's 14 he goes back to america doesn't call for a year is that a year and a half. Well, it's I an would extended have to go period, back. Yeah. right? And then she's just sitting there, as you would imagine. Like, and the parents are telling her, "Forget about it." He's, you yeah, know, yeah, as I would have done too. Yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, he calls and then brings her to Graceland, and then again for an extended, you know, for the rest of her life, mm-hmm. for the rest of. Well, their yeah. Life there's together. a visit, but then she gets back, and then at that point, they kind of, you yeah. know, this he he gets the parents to he sign over the guardianship. He's, he's basically yeah, she's right. Underage. She's gonna find a way to come anyway, but she's more than he is he's re- she's ready to go <laughs> oh, yeah. and he does say well, he's, he's not only getting it from that source that, that that helps with the horniness yeah does it okay so <laughs> uh, i've heard i hear i hear i hear <laughs> but it really the, takes the edge off the point being he did wait not to the was it the wedding night no, no it was like when after she graduated from high school i okay. believe that was his I, marker. we would have to go back and okay. check i, I should have flipped well, it was it was least. presented i just can't remember that yeah. little detail yeah, yeah. I was saying all of that to say that she was in pursuit of a sexual relationship in a more dynamic way than he was. I feel like I think that she knew that she was in love and this was it for her. He did not. He did Ah. not feel the same way. Though he had this weird. I mean, and I and this is I, I like. I like this film. I like this film. I do too. Mm-hmm. I, and it is, it, a, it, high is recommendation. A, it is an unsettling film. Yes, it is. It is a very discomforting film. But boy, is it, it especially, and I did not rewatch Elvis, mm-hmm. Baz Luhrmann, or really, re-watch, I did rewatch an Elvis film. We'll talk about that. <laughs> but what, part of what I was feeling is like, this is the darkest I've seen this story told. Now, I haven't seen the miniseries for, that, that was made for television. Was, it was, was completely appropriate for television okay. viewing. And it was, I mean, there were like things thrown, but not the deep-seated manipulation and yeah uh, yeah, emotional abuse and mental abuse that is portrayed beautifully and so subtly so you like this you like this i loved it yeah and i've got yeah yeah it's not this isn't ham-fisted in what it's doing no i'm not saying that it's i'm saying that i interpreted what you just said as that elvis is applying subtle manipulation no, she's yeah. demonstrating it in subtle ways. In subtle yeah. ways, because there's one example of different types of ma- different types of manipulation, but not a. Re- she hit, he hits her one time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he hit her more than that. In I real mean, life. I think we must assume it happened. But here we don't and see there, a pattern of physical no. abuse. But she no. gives us a demonstration of physical abuse. Mm-hmm. And then she gives us a demonstration of the gaslighting and a demonstration of the worst manipulation he did. I thought just controlling her was all over the saying place. get out and start throwing her clothes into oh, the yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. No, that was only yeah. horrendous as a ruse to mm-hmm. say no. That I could do that yeah. at any moment. Yeah, but also, I mean, the the I didn't find it subtle. <laughs> no, no. Well, no, no but it, okay, but it, it eventually it got there. But but it's simmered for a long time i mean almost from the first scene together he's coming you know he's a manipulator but it's not it's not ham-fisted it's not heavy-handed i think especially in those early scenes she builds to it and when it comes it feels very like this is natural progression not like 
oh, evil Elvis. But it's it's, it's really not interesting. Shocking. It shows By the time you. It happens. It's not shocking. It's building up very quietly. Yeah. Sure. Very add the drug, right, right, right. Yeah, right. All of it. Yeah. it. It shows you the beauty of this figure. And I'm talking about Elvis here. You know, and like, and I think a Lordy isn't like. A perfect facsimile for Elvis, but I think he gets across like the sort of dark handsomeness of Elvis in in a general way. Sure. So I think he comes across as that kind of charismatic, you know, presence that probably walks into a room and and really like, you know, does excite women and, you know, and so you feel that. And then as he kind of brings it in, I just I think it's really handled well in terms of the dialogue, in terms of the way it's sort of paced. And it really felt like a natural build, probably much in the way it felt to Priscilla, right? Mm-hmm. That it started out as just, I'm in the presence of this charming, attractive sort of Who entity. is somehow attracted to me. Right. Who somehow On takes paper, interest this makes in no me. Sense. But then he sells me. And I think there's a reality. And that's where I... So, I, there's such a twisted element to his relationship with Priscilla. I mean, there's many twisted elements. But, you know, one of them is how he views her because it's more like he sees this purity in her and mm-hmm. like she's almost like a daughter to him or a little sister or something and he's like because he's being I so think, protective in no, this weird and this way is, this is just someone who has read the book yeah, and yeah. kind of understands what priscilla was saying in uh-huh. her book was that as a good old country boy at heart who loved, you know, fried peanut Family, butter sandwiches and grandma. he wanted grandma and yeah. all of his brothers, quote unquote brother. He wanted family around at mm-hmm. all times and he wanted a home to come home to. He did not want a Hollywood starlet, even though well, he could have had any well, one but, of them 10 times over. But that's he it. He want wanted, that. but he wanted both. He, he wanted, wanted both, but he, he wanted didn't the Hollywood marry. starlets yeah. for his actual sexual mm-hmm. gratification. Mm-hmm. But then he wanted to maintain this facade of idyllic, like family life. And, I don't think it was a facade. I think he wanted both. I, right, and I right, think right. he got both. When well, those gates I mean, opened and the bus came in, he was coming into more of an idyllic. Yes. Mm-hmm. I guess what I mean, and you're right, Emily, his design. in, in mm-hmm. what you're saying, what I mean by facade is like, he puts on the veneer like this is his true identity. This is the totality of his identity, Graceland and family and and kind of when in reality he's philander. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's out with all of the, you know, starlets he's hanging out with and groupies. Yeah. And it's all I mean is that he's maintaining a facade, not that it was necessarily false. Like part of it was pro- I mean, I'm sure he did love family and I'm sure he did on some level, but. Not in the way that he was presenting to the world, I think, or wanting presented to the world. I mean, I do think he presented that to the world because he married her. Right. They had the whole wedding right, photograph. Right. They were photographed in their home at Graceland. Mm-hmm. All of these press photos the, were the taken photo of Lisa, scene was an interesting Lisa Marie when she was born. When they're sitting on the chair together mm-hmm. and that, yeah. like, just their body language and then yeah. them separating. That was really mm-hmm. well she's done. She's kneeling down while he gets yeah. the throne. Again, mm-hmm. and that's even later in the film when it's mm-hmm. when he's been pretty brutal with her. And there's still these subtle moments that get thrown in that are just, oh, God, this is a really well-made film. Sofia Coppola is still a great filmmaker. <laughs> I mean, On the Rocks wasn't garbage, but it was disappointing it was for very her. disappointing for mm. me too yeah well i did have just a couple you guys were talking about the set pieces yeah. but what i noticed immediately was the costuming the mm-hmm. hair the makeup all yeah. of these typical get ready with me shots that sophia is yeah. so great at she does them in the virgin suicide she does them in marie antoinette yeah. i think she does a little of it in lost in translation but not to this not yeah. to this extent right. but these very overtly feminine i mean i just want to call it the get ready with me shot because the, of social the media there the montages the, yeah the these, spray of the aquanet these dreamy misty speaking mm-hmm. of aquanet but like all of that this is where she lives and this is where she plays and no one does it better. I'm mm-hmm. just convinced I've never seen a better get ready with me. And I'm willing to go out on a limb that I like Priscilla better than I like Marie Antoinette. And that's Ooh. really saying something for me because I love Marie Antoinette. But L- a lot of the same things going on, right? Taking this 
historical mm-hmm. figure, this very specific Yeah, I'm time sure period. everyone I, sees these parallels, don't we? I mean, well, yeah, no, you have to. I mean, those two films are, mm-hmm. I feel like she'll round it out with a trilogy at some point. She's oh going to pick gosh, some other female figure from history. I'm there. And, B. and <laughs> also in this period of their lives, going from adolescence to like true womanhood, mm-hmm. and, you know, in the Mother, whole trajectory there. Yeah. Knowing that you have to just get out and protect yeah, your child yeah. or children. What about yeah. the abrupt, almost like jarring change from Priscilla living that 60s life, the hairdos, mm-hmm. the Aquanet, into the more hippie thing. That it was, was just yeah, bang. All of a was. sudden, her, she's got long hair that mm-hmm. is parted down the middle and kind of a hippie cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was. It was really interesting. And more to a more natural color. But I think that was also in conjunction with her making some kind of turn in her own mentality and saying, I don't just have to be Elvis's wife anymore. Yeah. I'm going to be my own person. I'm going to learn the Taekwondo or whatever she was yeah. learning. Yeah. You know, I'm going to have friends of my own because he keeps going out on these tours yeah. and leaving me and the baby behind. I'm going to find and by myself. Don't even think about inviting anybody over here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like the isolation. Yeah. The which isolation. Is, yeah. Which was the dad actually, right? The, the, yeah. uh, the business burn. Man, yeah. yeah. When yeah. he drops her off at school, he's like, Oh, and by the way, you're not going to be able to invite anybody over from uh, school. Graceland's not for strangers. The power moment in class, because now she's dating, living with Elvis, going to school. They live in high school, girlfriend. (laughs) And it's um, cheating on the with the friend. Like, hey, do you you want to meet Elvis? Yeah, let me see your. I do kind of wonder if she ever paid up on that bet. (laughs) Yeah, I thought we cut two, but we didn't. (laughs) Um, But I also, I just want to, since I was in so much love with the costuming, the hair and makeup, I just want everyone to know. Stacy Batat, Batat, B-A-T-T-A-T, is costume designer, and uh-huh. she's a frequent collaborator, and she did such a beautiful job. Yeah. I actually had to read up on how they reproduced some of these costumes. They went to they went to great lengths, not a lot of expense, believe it or not. Right. Like, they went to great lengths and made a lot of things themselves. The hair is Cleona Fury, and the makeup is Joanne McNeil, and these are very important things yeah. to me because if one of those isn't right – the whole piece doesn't work just like you guys were focused on the set pieces yeah. mm-hmm. and the props, the cars, you know, thing, yeah. those, if they're not right, it doesn't work. Right. And so, and they, yeah, and they had a, how, how much photographic evidence to draw on to get it all correct. Incredible. Seems like, like they mountains. did. And because that was, a, it was a hobby of, of his to take photographs. Okay. And yeah. so, um, yeah, there's mountains and mountains of things we will never see. As long as we're shouting out, I, I would also like to shout out Sarah Flack, the editor on this, is the editor mm-hmm. that Coppola's worked with on most of her films. And I think, Joe, you spotlighting some of those montage oh, they're amazing. sequences. Like, those are regular, those are repeat offenses in Coppola films, and they're always done really well. An editor like Flack uh, really kind of elevates the material. So it, it, thank goodness. I, I can't tell you. I was, I genuinely felt like this real sense of relief as much as I was feeling like, unsettled and and discomforted because i'm like this is a great film mm-hmm. from a person who i had worried maybe had uh stepped down a path of uh less robust filmmaking return. yeah can i just just read one quote that i found that i it. thought mm-hmm. ties this whole thing in well with marie antoinette and lost in translation just these very feminine dreamy aspects that that sophia coppola gets right every single time Uh, She said, across all of my films, there is a common quality. There's always a world and there's always a girl trying to navigate it. That's the story that will always intrigue me. And it's true if you just go through all of her films. That's basically the story of all of her films. The ingenue. Yeah. Um, It occurs to me all of these get ready with me scenes. Like the reason why I think Sofia Coppola films are so intriguing to women is that if we're following the story of a woman who is trying to navigate this world, it's almost the same as like for a very masculine film, like a war film, the putting on of the makeup and the spraying of the hair, etc. <coughs> it's the same as if in like a war film or a gladiator film, the strapping on of the armor, mm-hmm. the the training. Yeah. And the getting ready to go right. out and yeah. do battle. And so that was something that occurred to me yeah. when I read that quote by Sofia Coppola. So it's just this, these get ready with me shots that I'm just, I'm never going to let go. I love them <laughs> so much. They're just gorgeous in every single one of her movies. I don't think so. anyone said her name yet. Kaylee Spanny. Yes. Oh. Who plays Priscilla. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. 
uh, it was remarkable. I mean, mm-hmm. incredible. Yeah. Star turning role. She's been in a, a couple of things Pacific Rim, Uprising, The Craft, Legacy. Oh, wow. Her next film yeah, is I didn't see Alien Romulus hmm. and then something called Civil War. So I, th- yeah. I thought she was incredible. You couldn't take your eyes off of her. She's yeah, very compelling. Yeah. Very and compelling. Just played the age range from mm-hmm. 14 yeah, to what, yeah. 29. Very because she is in her 20s, she's but she's tiny. Yeah. So she yeah. could do this but smaller this, kid like, thing. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, this sounds like it was unanimous. And you guys you guys talked about the soundtrack, and yeah. I just want to add my third to that. And I didn't realize until today, it was not a conscious thought. It, I didn't realize there was not a single Elvis song. Oh. Not yeah. a one. No, they wouldn't license. It. Interesting. I didn't yeah. hear, I didn't even think about it, though, until today. It popped into my head. I was like, wait, did they play any Elvis songs? Not a one. Not a one. Yeah. Right. Isn't that fascinating? It, like how well done it is, is but the soundtrack? It is, but totally consistent with the, you know, br- bringing in things that don't exactly fit that time. And, you mm-hmm. know, but it's, I, I love it. I mean, there's so mm-hmm. many, so many good. Alice Coltrane is on there. The Ramones. Mm-hmm. I've I mean, never, I have to say, I've never liked um, that cover of the oh. Ronettes, Baby, I Love You. Oh, I've really? never liked the Ramones oh. cover of it. But now I'm a huge oh, fan. Okay. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> Sorry, oh. I've changed my mind. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad that. Wow. I've changed my mind entirely. Th- yeah. This film is even better than I thought. Yeah. It's my changing went- people's minds. On the <laughs> my daughter went to go see this opening night with some friends, and she said, I'd love to go see that again. I said, okay, I'm down. So wow. I love it when I get an opportunity to go back to see something while it's on the big screen. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, it does sound unanimous, Joe. That that was uh, I'm I'm glad. And again, like a return to form. This is exciting stuff. And hey, you know what? I should be more uh, appreciative of all the greatness she's had in the past. I'm not surprised. I'm just so happy. Yeah, I'm feeling not quite as happy is that with right? this from your home okay. state. I'm gonna look. I love Oxbow, and I and I do like. A lot of their beers I've had a lot off mic over the years that I have enjoyed. And I like this one. It's okay. But I find it's a little too acidic for me. Like I'm not – I mean I'm just trying to be honest with myself these days when it comes to sour beers. Like is this pushing it to a point where I'm not comfortable? Now, I don't think this is unpalatable. I think a lot of people might love the level this is at. This is just a little too acidic for me. And the plum is there, but I don't feel like it's balanced as well with the acidity as I want it to be. Like the best sour beers, especially fruited sours, are the ones that really kind of have almost that equal measure of sweet and sour and hints of the fruit. Do you Here, believe it's just a little out of balance coming from me. the fruit? My guess, my guess is that the fruit was more present when they first bottled it. And that over time, the fruit flavor is diminishing, but what's staying is the acidity level, and that's kind of remaining a constant. That would be my guess as to why it may taste out of balance to me. Like, it may have tasted more to my specifications if I drank it when it was a young bottle. Right. Did you get plum? Let me just ask you, do you, yes. do you feel like you were distinctly getting plum flavor? I do. I think it's the plum that's providing the color. For sure. It has like a murky brown mm-hmm. kind of, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not pleasant. It's me. not as pleasant. As other sours, mm-hmm. other farmhouses, and it's not as pleasant as that oxbow that we enjoyed back in right, episode Right, right, that Momoko. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not entirely unpleasant. I think you're right. This I, is, there's a market for this exact beer, yeah. but I, I, I think I would take a sip if a bottle was open next time and not pour the full pour yeah. that I did today. Now, if I remember correctly, the Momoko, that was peach. That was the fruit that was incorporated in. And I think that one was a case of like perfect balance where it was like, if I remember correctly. And a peach isn't going to add a ton of acidity. No, and it's going to if if the flavor's there, it's really going to help balance it. So that anyway, not a failure, but not my favorite for for plum synth. I will not order that next time I'm at Oxbow if it's on the menu. But it's not a failure. Not a failure. All right, Emily, how are you feeling about the light copper? You've had all the athletic beers, but this but one- this one was my first time with the cerveza atletica. It's pretty great. Um, it's dark color but lightweight. It's very thin. Goes so are you really getting nicely. like a like a? I'm getting like a have... Negro Modelo. Okay, yeah. okay, that's that's good territory. To I be could in. have so a lime can... wedge with this, no problem. Ooh, yeah, I love to hear it. Another hit from Athletic. They're they're batting a thousand on this podcast. We've got a perfect movie pairing. I could not be happier. <laughs> oh that we my picked gosh, the movie this was a did. good this was a good selection, especially because it came up. Yeah. I think, and it was anyway. And then a questionable beer pairing. We will be right back to keep going.
And we're back. We're back. This is our second time to Collective Arts Brewing. That was episode, yeah. uh, episode 175, where we uh, drank one of their beers alongside Met- the Matrix Resurrection. Was it Resurrections with a, with a plural? <laughs> I can't remember. I think it was Matrix I think Resurrection. I, I don't remember I'll if it was it plural or not. I think it was just singular. I said it was a questionable beer pairing because there's, you know, the, the verdict is out. Uh, Good Monster is the name of the beer. <laughs> as we discuss Elvis's Viva Las Vegas, this New England uh, style double IPA is a beast, but not in the lurking in the shadows evil kind of way in a flavor expo- explosion, delicious hops, Good Monster kind of way. It is uh, double dry hopped. It's got mosaic, citrus, Simcoe and Amarillo hops. It says notes of tropical mango and passion fruit, juicy peach, and bright orange lemon and grapefruit shine. Damn, David, they are really raising the expectations on this. Joe, I don't know, man. This is like, I think former me would be really excited about this beer. Current me is excited, but but former me would have really loved this beer. No pilsners today, David. Ooh, don't leave. <laughs> this, oh, my God. This this does smell good. I do, I do like the aroma. It smells this. like a... Moderately dank IPA with a lot of citrus. Double IPA. It looks like an orangina. Yeah, yeah. It's got. It's It's the color of an orangina. Yeah. All right. I can't wait to try it. (sighs) You're sticking with your uh, athletic there. Yes, please. Wonderful. And we're ready to talk about a companion film to Priscilla. Which, when we were talking about companion films, we did talk about that Priscilla herself has had a film career. Maybe we could do one of the Naked Gun movies. I would have loved that. Probably what she's most known for, honestly. Maybe Uh, we should have done that to pay her proper (laughs) respect. Maybe. You're right. You're right. Uh, Instead of supporting financially one of her husband's lovers. Damn it. (laughs) Though also her husband, whose company she's helped run and all that, you know. True enough. enough. Well, we went the Elvis route instead. We decided, hey, look, we've never done an Elvis film on beer in a movie. And it's high time to do that. And that alone is a big category. Cause how many films did he make? Was it 31, 31 feature films? Yeah. And then an additional two kind of documentary style concert films. Okay. There you go. So, how many films we could have picked from. We could have gone real early, like a jailhouse rock kind yeah. of, you know, like really the, the Blues, 50s. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But but Emily helped steer us, I think, to what I think was the right choice Agreed. in this situation. Um, because this film actually comes up quite a bit in Priscilla. It, it was a very important moment in their relationship because of the relationship that was going on both off and on screen with the co-star that Elvis had in this film. Of course, I'm talking about Viva Las Vegas, 1964 release, shot in 1963. Elvis on set with Anne Margaret in Vegas, uh, with Priscilla at bay. I mean, I'm, I'm synopsizing more how Priscilla, <laughs> but, but, you know, Priscilla reading the press coverage, seeing these rumors of Anne Margaret and Elvis's relationship. Um, all throughout the filming and then even in the ensuing months thereafter where they're doing the post-production work and there's kind of speculation about the status of their uh, relationship. But the film itself is Elvis playing a race aspiring race car driver, Lucky Jackson, right? He shows up in Vegas with a car that still needs a motor, trying to get the motor. He makes some money at the tables, Right? R- roulette? Is he playing roulette at the beginning? No, he's playing craps. Craps. Okay. Yeah, dice. Right? Because he's got... Yeah. All right. Which, by the way, you are not allowed to hold your hand off the table like that. I, the first thing I said was, what is he oh, is doing? Any, is anybody going to tell the king yeah, that Lucky he Jackson can, can do whatever he wants I to? I suppose so. Golly. No, that's a good point. I know nothing about that. <laughs> They'd be like, dice out. New dice. <laughs> yeah. That would be the end of the movie. He didn't even have yeah, the money to begin with. Okay. Well, he has the money for a fleeting moment. But it is knocked out of his pocket, unfortunately. When uh, Margaret pushes him into a pool. Went right when, uh, oh my gosh, uh, and I just had the character's name, Rusty, right? Rusty something. Rusty Martin? Yes. Yeah. Good Correct. job. When Rusty knocks him into a pool, and this is after there's already been a little flirtation, her car kind of breaks down and he's going to string her along and try to get to know her by, well, but his competitor kind of fixes the car quickly. She takes off. So he's get that great montage. Anyway, goes after this love interest. Can I? He and his new uh, European, I guess Italian, because he's driving a Ferrari buddy. Yeah. 
Go looking for Anne Margaret, making the assumption that this beautiful little woman has to be a showgirl in Vegas. So in a montage thing, they go to every single... The longest montage. (laughs) Every single casino showgirl show... And they're looking at the women. <laughs> just some, just some, just, some heavy duty misogyny and some gentle racism oh as God, well. God. Oh, good. Gentle. God. I would say yeah. gentle because there are shows that would feature a all Asian lovely cast. Yeah, of sort ladies. of a Chinatown. Club so he walks vibe. into yeah. that mm-hmm. place and if they're all Asian, so they just have to big leave because they're, <laughs> yeah. they're not in the right place. Clearly, I, mean, I loved. That mo- I, <laughs> keep going, keep going, I keep laughed going. hard. Keep yeah. going. I, oh my keep, God. I have a lot to say Joe about this loves, movie. Joe loves the subtle racism. <laughs> of the 1960s, the gentle, gentle. racism. Oh. I don't want it subtle, but be gentle when you do. Um, so anyhow, he he does eventually track down Rusty, though he loses the money. So he's kind of in a bind. He has to work at the hotel, trying to get the money to be able to race. Has this rivalry going with the racing count, who's also interested in Rusty, right? Got the love triangle going, and that kind for, of for five seconds, yeah, <laughs> propels us into uh, you know the the excitement of the race when that comes. Mm-hmm. And also, he for some reason he's a celebrated musician on the side. The kids well, expect you to do as something. As with all Elvis films, that? like these are musicals. <laughs> yeah. So there's going to be song and dance sequences. Um, and Margaret herself, she sings uh, a few numbers. He, he sings several. Yeah. Well, they're movies and album releases. Although this one, strangely, was one of the weird ones where they, they did release an album, but it was an EP. They didn't even release the entire soundtrack. Well, for, why? I wonder why. I know. And, it, and many Elvis fans have complain throughout history that this one was sort of botched in terms of not releasing the full album because it's actually one of the better soundtracks in general in terms of the quality of all the songs across the board okay i think well so, i guess because she has a couple of solo songs that would not have been on that lp and margaret's song well, why couldn't have, they have been well they could have been well, it could have just yeah. been like the the soundtrack right it made the uh billboard Hot 100, it entered at 92, the lowest charting release of Presley's career to this date. But it was only wow. four so- four or five songs. But the, the title song itself is one of the more popular, I mean, more enduring Elvis songs. Right. Not in that, it, I don't think it was like a big chart single ever, but it's kind of a de facto theme song for it's Vegas. Like everyone kind of knows at least the to sing Viva Las Vegas. Yes. Everyone can sing Viva Las Vegas the way he did. Yeah. yeah. And did you know that that was one long shot? His performance, His performance at the talent yeah, show. I, yeah, I read that when I was that? reading yeah. about this. Yeah, pretty incredible. Yeah. yeah, and the only Elvis film where they ever attempted that. Right. Like they, mm-hmm. This yeah. is my first Elvis film from start to finish. Really? Yeah. I've wow. Nev- I've ne- really? Never watched an Elvis movie. I think I might have watched Jailhouse Rock and some, you know, yeah. along the way, but a long, long, long time ago. I had so much fun. I'm so glad <laughs> watching this movie. Uh, this might be the most fun movie I've ever watched. <laughs> it was humorous, the most for sure. Fun movie it's I've so ever beautiful. It's colorful. It's that Technicolor. That Technicolor yeah. is so it, great. You know, it is. It, it is, as I understand it. I uh, read an article, or maybe this was quoted in Elvis, the movie that I recently watched. It was um, his films. The formula that they had fallen into were very quick turnarounds. Oh yeah, it's like two week shoots. Yeah, it's like it's like. A- Pre-code movies, how they used to turn them but around. But this was a no multi-month time. shoot. Oh, okay. Like they put, so they put some more care into this movie. Well, yeah. Some of the, I mean, and Margaret was a, was the coming off a sequences are pretty elaborately filmed. You yeah. have some pretty yeah. elaborate editing going oh, oh, on. There's, like, there's some beautiful camera work in this. Yeah. Swoops and cranes mm-hmm. and, and, and the set pieces. God, that roulette wheel dance floor. Yeah. Who doesn't want to jump onto that dance floor? <laughs> even if you suck. And do the climb? Yes. Which, by the way, what a bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> that was so sexy, but so awkward. Yeah. I just, I couldn't tell if it was the music or their chemistry. I was like, I feel some way about this. <laughs> I can't name it. Uh, speaking of their chemistry, I thought that they had beautiful chemistry. Yeah, they did. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, on screen, mm-hmm. on off screen, where you're mm-hmm. hearing the stories but when they're on camera together it is electric mm-hmm. and then they go on that date where it's helicopter ride date? to the <laughs> water skiing with three things in between the hoover dam they saw the hoover yeah. dam oh there was a bit of that yeah. brady bunch hawaii episode about this thing like a, a travelogue of what yes. las vegas is yeah, and she, yeah oh i do sound like a guy don't i and then proceeds to keep doing it yeah. and it was um oh they rode motorcycles at mccurran airport yeah <laughs> They, As one does. I mean, they went to a um, ghost town. 
um, yeah. and did a sh- uh, like right. a gunfight. Dressed up like yeah. a okay corral. Yeah. yeah. Where are they getting these outfit changes? They have swimsuits. They've got western wear. They've got everything they need. In the cool cars trunk. That's where you keep. Yeah, where apparently. There's so many cool cars, and then into this race, it's a mishmash of everything. It's like it's a lot. It's of almost fun. as if it was a racing movie plot mm-hmm. and they said let's do it in vegas well, and they tack is- the race onto the end and yeah. that becomes an action piece i see a lot of sp- <laughs> in terms of spirit and approach overlap with like bollywood in terms mm. of you know the embrace of the musical sequences it really doesn't matter if it's an action film a race film or what it's like no matter what we're gonna have people who are really gifted at singing and dancing and they're just going to break out into song occasionally and be really charming about it. Yeah, that's the thing I... that It's the one thing I didn't like about... Because I like a musical, mm-hmm. but I like a natural musical where it's obvious why they're breaking into song right. or whatever. And, and I... You like it explained, like, these are performers, these yeah, are... Yeah, I, I mean, it's all fine and dandy if one of the reasons why they're singing and dancing is because they're at a dance. But yeah. some of it was just a little, like, you know, head jerk... Now I'm singing, you know, the, when he goes to visit her to go dancing and that's how he's meeting up with her, but she's in a dance class. Like she's in, you know, she's in a choreographed studio. And then he says, well, I'll see you later. And she said, well, the kids want to see you do something. How do they know who he is? (laughs) Has she been talking him up? Or is he famous for not only being a great race car driver, but also being, yeah, a broke motorless race car driver but also he's pretty handy with a guitar I, just, and I think she likes to like, taunt all the kids with all drifters who end up coming through town and they she thinks like the kids want to hear you sing and it's usually some terrible yeah, old man but it just sucks, happens to be a really good guy this yeah. time. speaking no, of that great. dance studio uh, I have to uh, shout out because I'm also a big West Side Story fan oh, yeah. so the choreographer for this was David Winters who played i forget i think he played the kid in um west side story on broadway but then in the movie he played arab so if oh. you and if you look at a picture of him you will recognize and him this, no problem was this was this, was this his, his first choreographing first i saw yeah. that that and i think mm-hmm. ann margaret had specifically she was said like i want him mm-hmm. to choreograph this film she was yeah. his student so she she asked for him to what do power it. this was like a power couple movie these were two huge stars yeah coming together to make this kind of project. So, like, yes, it's an Elvis film, but it is, among the Elvis films, one of the rare ones that had a star, his almost his equal, if not maybe in some ways, at least a younger on the ascendancy kind of star. Yeah, no doubt. Still, had, like, we don't know how far this goes. She had been in Bye Bye Birdie, yeah, which was a huge hit. And funnily enough, Bye Bye Birdie, if you haven't seen it, is her like winning a date with an Elvis like right. yeah. personage? So yeah, I think that was great. <laughs> but as I understand Truth it, this is her purposefully leaning into a sex pot mm-hmm. kind of public persona, rather than a Bobby Soxer, which and is what, what that, she was. Yeah, I don't know if it's that influence or just as displayed in the Elvis film, the idea that he was always pushing the boundaries, like he was skirting the public decency thing hmm. that became his gimmick: the hmm. hips at the beginning, mm-hmm. and you know. This this film's sexy. There's so yeah. many like goofy mid- too. There's, there's midriffs and sexy mm-hmm. dance yeah. outfits mm-hmm. and the showgirl sequence. A lot of bikinis right. and yeah. yeah. While that was happening in Vegas, and if you right. went to Vegas, you could watch those kinds of things. 1964. It this did seems feel a like little, a Vegas commercial. It seems a yeah. little yeah. leading in the sexuality as far as the amount of body being shown on screen. You know what? What have we yeah. seen prior to 64? Right. Good point. Yeah. I think, I think some of the teenage, like, uh, you know, the beach movies and stuff where there were some bare midriffs and stuff going, but it was just starting to happen. I mean, it was like really coming into the sixties that you were starting to see more flesh on. And you're right. It's goofy again. Elvis is not a wooden doll. You know, I'm talking about my expectations, not having watched one of these movies. I was expecting some things. Mm -hmm. He's got some comedic timing. He's got some, he's certainly got that charisma. He's got charisma. Is he James Dean, his idol? In real life, Rando, but yeah. as far as an acting thing, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. But they but surround him no. with fantastic character actors who are pulling a ton of weight. I, right. think the, I think the only time when I actually really enjoyed his acting, notably, when I noticed, I was like, oh, he did that so well. Can I guess? Yes. When he comes to be the waiter for their date. No. Okay. No. <laughs> Sorry. Good guess. That, Good guess. That's a goofy but mostly comic. Sure. No, that's yeah. great. He does it well. Yeah. When... Yeah. 
and margaret busts in on them putting the motor in his car toward the end oh. before the race and he really gets frustrated he starts like throwing stuff yeah, at her and yeah, he, yeah. he really does a fantastic job the rest of the movie i couldn't care for it as uh, much as i wanted to okay yeah i i think he serves the tone the of the project it's right? an elvis project and that's what that's the frustrating thing for me with elvis when it comes to his films is that i think the colonel made it impossible for him to ever do a film that would have even potentially stretched, him. stretched right exactly mm-hmm. like he was just interested in him being able to sell these films on the basis of the song and the record ba- yeah, yeah and all that like this is like a it's a marketing thing it's about mm-hmm. keeping him as a popular figure yeah. not about him becoming some An great artist, actor yeah. he did get offers from more serious filmmakers right. yeah over the course of his life and you um can read about it in elvis and me by oh. Priscilla oh, Presley. Oh, that's great. I'm... He did get offers. <laughs> yeah. But... You know, Priscilla's uh, book publicist was coming. Yes. Here I am. <laughs> Since age 10, 11, or 12, whatever it was. He did get offers from serious filmmakers, and he was interested in doing them, and he was thwarted Yeah. by management, Yeah. i.e. his dad and Colonel, Colonel Tom yeah. Parker. And so he was very dissatisfied at some point with his own career and he wanted to do different types of songs he wanted to get yeah. away from the bubble gum yeah he did end up doing a bunch more yeah. toward the end and he really leaned into gospel at right. some point you know which in is, the ghetto and and, the- and all of his gospel is his best music like none of this viva las vegas and um love me tender his gospel music yeah. is his best music the end but when he would get these offers from more serious filmmakers. And when he would have songs sent to him that were less bubblegum and left less Bobby socks or sock hop type stuff, everyone, including Priscilla would say, don't like she said, don't some, mess with the brand. Don't mess with it. And yeah. even in the book, she says, I, I, I'm very much paraphrasing and probably pulling this out of a hat, but she, they got into a massive argument one time when she said, why don't you just do some more of that old stuff? He lost his mind lost his he was she, like you're she not should have hooked list- up with mike love that nobody's oh, gonna get god. <laughs> god i need to leave you said the ml word what Gross. oh yeah well, but if she wants a guy who just wants to stick with the formula that's yeah, that's what exactly. he was all about yeah, yeah exactly disgusting man anyway um <laughs> how do i really feel about it but anyway no he he did want to like a good monster emily oh yeah, yeah. He did want to go off and do his pet sounds or his Sergeant Peppers, and everyone, yeah. no one would let well, him. Well, I mean, the the film, uh, <laughs> the prior film we were reviewing, uh, you know, gets into the fact that he did get interested in different belief systems mm-hmm. and a philosophical concept. And, he, you know, he was really wanting to do some discovery, and he realized the kind of influence he had in the world, and that, like, and he was seeing people like the Beatles starting to talk about mm-hmm. things like transcendental meditation. Like he was aware of all that stuff and was interested in pursuing that. But he was basically stopped by, again, the colonel and his family and just kind of like, no, Elvis, that's not what people want from you. That's why the end of his career stuck at that international hotel uh, when he's put on the weight yeah. and all. He's on all the pills and the, the doctor is Michael Jacksoning him to just keep yeah. him moving yeah. along. Is so bizarre because what brand is that? It's such yeah. a departure from. But you know, there were still thousands and thousands of women who oh, would sure. pay. It was sold out every night. A hundred dollars a seat, even then. Well, you and, know, and as and as the Elvis, the Baz Luhrmann Elvis film, you know, gets into, which again, it plays it's fast a, and loose sure. with the truth. But there is truth in that Colonel Tom Parker did have big debts in Las Vegas right. and was absolutely using the Elvis engagements as a way to sort of continue his gambling habit and appease the people he owed money to like, you know, and get those debts erased. Interesting. Disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing that it's like this circle of people using each other, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like Elvis using Priscilla, the Colonel using Elvis. Like the, the, it's just all this kind of dark and that's humanity people. That's what we have. That's, what we're really talking about and Viva Las Vegas is what we look at to distract us from that disgusting truth it's of true. all of yeah, us sure. vampires sucking the life out of one another. Mm-hmm. Well, how dark of an episode did this become? Mm. I don't know why this all dawned on me and in this dark be. way. It After hours be. comes with Prozac. No, it's <laughs> <laughs> it shouldn't be. 
when we're discussing Viva Las Vegas because this is one of those. It's so bright and it's shiny. It's joyous. Yes. Oh, it's, it, it is the, it, it's like distilled joy. You put this on, this would be a lot of fun to go see in a crowded theater with everybody hooting and hollering and getting it. Can you imagine seeing this when it opened? It was a very successful film. One of the statistics I looked up, right? This came out the same year as A Hard Day's Night. A Hard Day's Night made 1.8 million at the box office. This made almost 10 million at hmm. the box office. Number 14. Wow. Think about, Incredible. think about that. Yeah. Like this film, even at the ascendancy of the Beatles and how exciting they were, and again, we talked earlier about how that kind of eclipsed Elvis in terms of, but in this moment, when Viva Las Vegas came out, Elvis was still a high wattage enough celebrity as along with Anne Margaret, you know, the, the duo was enough to really be like five times as exciting as the Beatles at the box Oh, absolutely. Office. And I think it, I think he probably appealed to a much uh, wider age range than the yeah. Beatles did. I yes, think the Beatles had right. sort I think of like at a that point, especially under, that was more teenage girls. Mm-hmm. Elvis had appeal that went beyond that for sure. Elvis yeah. was beloved by little old ladies, and <laughs> eventually, although initially scary, the the fifties Elvis was scary to some of the older folks. To the censors, it went away. It went away fairly, fairly quickly. quickly. Yeah. yeah, David, did you know you can listen to our review of the Hard Day's Night back in episode forty-six? What did we pair that with? I don't even movie-wise or yeah. what, uh, what yesterday. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, yeah. Go back in time. Look at that, those library episodes, folks. Don't sleep. No, so they're, many, they're still there. So many free. gems in there. You got to listen to Carlos. For, you know. <laughs> well, did we, have we have we said everything there is to say about Viva Las Vegas at this? I mean, I in so. this setting, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about it in the future. I'm I sure. Mean, it's just, it's just, it's. I'm a so G- glad I saw it. It's a GSF movie. It's good, silly fun. Good, I mean, that's silly. the only Keep thing you can mind. say. Yeah, you do not go in expecting an amazing good. plot. No, no, no. This is no or peeping amazing Tom. dialogue. No, no it's it's oh, this it's came a out four years after Peeping Tom. I was talking about sexuality <laughs> on the screen. Wait a second. That's British sexuality. <laughs> yeah, and and I think of a much lower profile film. Even so. I wrote down the note hasty ending, but then I started oh, hearing no you. Kidding. Uh, be a little critical and I was like nah it's not even who cares <laughs> he doesn't die in the race now here's the question is do Spoilers. I watch more Elvis films and mm. if so which ones I say oh. we save that for after hours yeah. perfect teaser yeah, yeah I think so right. what'd you think of Good Monster David this double IPA that you said once upon a time in your life you would have been a little more excited than today since you're moving away from those heavy IPAs. I, it's not that I'm moving away it's just like the there really was a period where I was so excited for IPAs, mm-hmm. and every time a new one came along, I was like, oh, okay, let's see what this hop combination does. Oh, this is wonderful. You know, right. like, and there was just like a genuine like drive. And when I would go to a brewery and they would have like five, six different IPA variations, great, I can get a flight of all the different IPAs. And I definitely have gotten away from that. So, they, sure. they, so there's a past me that this would have been like, bang, that's the can I'm getting when I see it. Right. But present me can still appreciate a well-put-together beer. And this most certainly is a well-put-together beer. I've got no arguments. I I think that this, for being a double, it does not come off as super heavy. Doubles, for me, and I've said this before, can be kind of malt bombs. They get really sweet, and it's like this really heavy, sweet, almost syrupy base. I can't drink 16 ounces of that. Certainly not, you know, uh, can after can, no way. But this is actually fairly light in body, and I feel like the the malt profile that's there is like a lighter one. I mean, it's almost more like a pilsnery kind of malt base that I'm getting here. And the hops are just beautifully handled because it's all the citrus notes, tropical fruit notes, without almost any of the bitterness. It's a really easy to drink double IPA. I feel like the spreadsheet I refer to to pick up what episode we did this or that in is going to be a demonstration of what's available locally. There's a function of that in this spreadsheet. Yeah. So the idea that we've only done two from Collective Arts means that this is not a beer we have access to very often, or we would have done a few more of them. Right. That I pick this up at my local grocery store means that the next time I go to my local grocery store, I'm getting another four-pack. I'm putting it in the fridge in the section of beers to drink at a later time. And when a double IPA is uh, on my mind, I'm going straight to this. I thought this was excellent. This was yeah. very, very good. They're out of Canada? I should know that Hamilton, Ontario. Yeah, so th- this is a Canadian beer. That, but I know I've know I've heard the brewery. And it, we've obviously had one. I'm excited, like you say. Now, now if this is an indication that we're going to have them more frequently at our, there disposal. were a couple of other things up at yeah. the on the shelf. I just the, picked this one because of the name. 
Love it. Love having this stuff uh, in circulation here. Well, Emily, thank you so much. You provided an invaluable amount of information. Well, I like to think I'm a weird little encyclopedia about Priscilla. Well, we knew that before you started talking. (laughs) Oh, about Priscilla. Never mind. (laughs) No, I mean, uh, you moved away for a minute and Mm -hmm. then you moved back. And Mm -hmm. that's why we hadn't seen you in a long time. Yeah, no, I'm glad to be back. I love Corpus. Love love you guys. We love having you here. Maybe you're available for a future episode a little more more soon. Right. Yeah. Anytime. Yeah. Well, listen, Emily, the best thing about beer in a movie is that the conversation does not end now. You're going to stick around for After Hours, which you guys can find at patreon.com slash beer in a movie podcast, a couple bucks a month, get you another whole bonus episode every week where we do get a little more loosey goosey. Maybe we'll talk about beer in movies. Maybe we won't. What do I have on our list? Pushing buttons to push buttons in film. That's what we were discussing before we got started. And maybe we can continue <laughs> that conversation. David took a trip. Uh, and then what What Elvis movie should I watch next if I do? We'll talk about those things and more. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, X. Join our chat on Discord under the name Beer in the Movie. The conversation continues. That's a fun place to be. Or if you can't find it, just uh, hit us up at Facebook and Instagram or wherever and we'll uh, get you the invitation. You can go to beerinamoviepodcast.com. There's our uh, merch store there where you can find, name it, Beer in a Movie's on it. And you can also find some curated lists of different things that we've done. It's time for me to go through there and do a big overhaul. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, before you leave, won't you please rate us and leave a review? Make it five stars so the algorithm can, what am I? Do what it do. (laughs) And put us out there as an option for more listeners. You've just experienced another whole lot of shaking going on new episode of Beer in a Movie. Until next time. Well, just a couple or three things wrong with your proposition. I don't work for anybody. I never come second to anybody. And one small thing, I intend to win. (laughs) 